Well, welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and I'm so excited to be bringing you another one of these bonus episodes of Just a Guy in the Pew. If you've been following the ministry and what we've done over the past few months, we started to have these bonus episodes where we invited on some of our favorite presenters and speakers and evangelists that the church has to offer, and today is no different. Today, we're going to be joined by Bart Schutz, and I want to tell you a little bit about him before we bring him on and get started. So Bart is the founder of Church on Fire and has been associated with the John Paul II Healing Center since its inception. Bart has conducted over 200 life-transforming events across the United States. He's been in ministry across the body of Christ for over 30 years. He travels the country uh, presenting at conferences and retreats, bringing thousands into an intimate and powerful encounter with the Father's love, transforming lives, and equipping people to live more fully into Christ's mission. Bart has created numerous events with the JP2 Healing Center as well as Church on Fire. Bart's passion is to see the church transformed and equipped to live into the fullness of her 2,000-year history. Bart is married to Brooke, and they have four children, Hannah, Gabrielle, Kaylee, and Joshua. And a pastor summed it up well when he said about Bart, Bart is one of the most passionate men for God that I know. His heart is for people to live into the fullness of who they are called to be. Amen to that. Without further ado, folks, I'm going to bring up my friend, Bart. Bart, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Hey, John. It's good to see you, man. I've been, been looking forward to this for a while. You know, we've, uh, I've watched your ministry and listened to plenty of your talks. And uh, I just think that what you do fits so well with what we're doing here and the men that are listening to the podcast. Uh, you have such an incredible story of your own. Uh, you lead by your witness. And, and I love how you love to talk about the Father's love. So, that's what I want to do here today and, and, and just let you kind of share your story. So, Bart, you know, first of all, what was what was growing up like for you? Were you always Catholic and what was your household like? What was your relationship like with your family? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, John. Well, first of all, I just want to tell you, it's, it's a great honor to be on here with you, man. Your story is fascinating, just what God's done in your life. And uh, it's touching. And uh, I, I love what you're doing and the impact that you're making. Uh, and man, I'm on, I'm on the team with you, man. Let's, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's reach some lives. Let's, let's, let's share the love of the father. Um, awesome. yeah. So what was my life like? Um, perfect. My life was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you too, huh? No, yeah, yeah. No speed bumps or anything, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We lived in denial just like a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, so just yeah, a river. Up, yeah, yeah. Um, I grew up. I grew up in a Catholic family, strong, devoted Catholic family. Um, my dad, uh, upper middle class, worked IBM. My, my mom and dad had seven kids. I was the second youngest. I still am. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they, uh, you know, just a good, solid Catholic family. All my brothers and sisters went to Catholic schools. Faithfully went to mass. Uh, my parents were involved in the church, and uh, I grew up. Went to Catholic schools, Catholic middle school, Catholic high school. Uh, again, faithfully went to mass. Um, but honestly, it was more cultural Catholicism uh, than it was any type of devotion or relationship with Christ. Um, and we can get more into the details of my story, but that's that's kind of how it started. Yeah, yeah. No, I know from from listening to you. Obviously, you had some some family issues growing up. You know, there was yeah. uh, a time where your father left. And yeah. I know that was very hard for you, and you've talked about that a lot. And, you know, yeah. there's a lot of guys that, that write into the show and, and, you know, email us every week with things they're struggling with. And a lot of it is father yeah. wounds, 
you know, whether yeah. their father left or they had a father that was there but not really there. Uh, maybe, yeah. you know, head down in work or had addiction issues of their own and wasn't the father that yeah. that uh, they hoped he could be. But can you tell us a little bit about, like, what your situation was with your father and, and what happened there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, when I was five, uh, my father left. He walked out the door never to return. In fact, uh, I don't know, maybe about 10 years ago. I've, I've come back into the Catholic Church. It's been about eight, nine years now. And just before then, about a year or so before then, um, I had a memory flood back uh, of watching my father walk out the door when I was five and uh, and just was devastated as a little kid. But I, I just turned to other things, you know, and I just got distracted and I had a lot of anger, a lot of pain. But so basically, as the story goes, um, you know, obviously, I don't remember this, but this is as I've been told, at least from my my mother's lens, <laughs> yeah. um, that when she was pregnant with my sister, Margaret, who's two years younger than I am, um, the phone rang and my mom picked up the phone, you know, and my dad picked up the phone upstairs uh, back when we used to have phones in our house. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> uh, there was a there was a lady on the other side of the phone talking to my dad and my dad didn't know my mom was on. And, and she said, you know, has the, you know, she used the, <laughs> the B word <laughs> as yeah. the B had the baby yet. And uh, this is when my mom learned that my father was having an affair mm. and uh, they tried to make it go, but it, it didn't, it didn't. And uh, so that's when I was two. So within three years later, uh, that's when my father finally walked out the door and Gosh. never returned. Yeah. And uh, obviously left me with a major void. But, you know, sometimes you don't, you don't realize what you don't have, you know? Yeah. And, and so it just became my normal life. Um, we moved from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I was born to Miami and life then is the life I really remember. I don't have a lot of memories of my father. Um, some, but not a lot. I don't remember ever having a relationship with him. Uh, I don't until later in life, which I don't know if you want to get into some of that later, but, sure. um, I basically knew a life of my mom and six of my seven siblings. Uh, our oldest brother remained in Pittsburgh, and that's a story in and of itself. And uh, life, the way I described it, was chaos, uh, life of survival, often home alone. Uh, as my siblings were off at school or whatever, mom put herself through school, worked, and uh, you know, it's just it was it was difficult. But I I wasn't fully aware of it. I can look back on a lot of these things now and go, oh wow, you know, that was difficult. But it's just it's just what I knew. You know? Yeah. Well, your mom sounds like an amazing woman <laughs> to be yeah, able to yeah, do everything that she did and, and to take care of you guys. And, you know, we've had your brother, Dr. Bob, on before, you know, I'm blessed to have yeah. a relationship with him. And he shared a little bit about that situation from his his point of view, yeah. too. And, and I know that you had some struggles with the older brother that you mentioned. And, uh, yeah. you know, we can get into some of that later on, too. But so without the father, you said, you know, you didn't, you didn't really notice this until you got older. Uh, was yeah. there a time in your life where... Uh, you know, maybe you, you walked away from the church or this all kind of started to sit in with you a little bit. And as you got older, yeah. I mean, a lot of times you hear from situations like this, you know, men getting a little angry as they get older, you know, they don't have oh, the yeah. same things that some others have or, or there's just some sort of anger in them that maybe they don't even know where it's yeah. coming from. Um, yeah. did you experience any of that? And, and how did you, you know, what did you look to when you, when you went to, to look at what am I supposed to be as a man? Like, what am I, how am I supposed yeah. to grow up? And what does that mean for me? How did all that work? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, de I definitely experienced all that. Um, and I, I basically, I had a lot of anger and uh, I didn't really realize the roots, you know, and, and all the causes of it. I just knew I was ticked off. You know? yeah. And, uh, you know, I would, I would go into my mom's room at night, you know, and uh, as a mom, as a mama's boy, you know, just to snuggle with my mom. And uh, I would watch her crying herself to sleep, you know, and and I knew why. I knew it's because my father broke her heart. And uh, so I hated him. I, I just, I hated him. Um, you know, Bob and I, you said you, you'd heard from, you know, talk to my brother Bob on here. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, he, he dealt with things his way and my way was anger. And uh, I, I was just, I hated the man. I hated him for what he did to my mom. I hated him for what he did to me by leaving. I hated that I didn't have a dad. I was kind of mad at the world. And um, the way that I would deal with that was I just put it all into my future dreams, you know, and, and I, I made a vow, you know, an unholy vow. Uh, I'll never be like my dad. I'll never be like my father. You know, I'll never hurt a woman the way he hurt my mother or me or my siblings. And, and uh, so I just, I kind of was going to be a better man than him, you know, and, yeah. And I was going to be somebody. I was going to be successful because really I, I didn't feel like an anybody. You know, I, I really felt, you know, my grandfather, my mom's father um, would describe me as a little kid, you know, as uh, I had longer hair. And he said I would I would be running around outside with, with no shirt and, and no shoes and runny nose. And and uh, that's kind of his memory of me, you know. And yeah. uh, but that's not the memory I had. In fact, I ran away from that little kid. And, mm -hmm. and so I was constantly striving uh, to prove to myself, honestly, that I have what it takes. You know, you may be familiar with the John Eldridge yeah. Wild at Heart, you know, every yeah. little boy needs to hear from their father. You know, I'm glad you're born. You have what it takes. You know, you're going to amount mm -hmm. to something. Well, I didn't get that, of course. So I was constantly having to overcompensate and, t and prove to myself that I have what it takes, that I'm somebody. And so for me, sports was that outlet. You know, my older brothers, including Bob, you know, uh, were good, good athletes. And so I saw that I saw they were getting the love, you know, so I, I, maybe I can be loved that way. I can, you know, and so I was just constantly striving, you know, constantly striving. And then again, a lot of it fueled from that anger and that hatred towards my father, uh, which which isn't healthy, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, uh, sure. And, but I, I didn't know. I just was like, I'm going to be somebody. So that's that was my that was the way I dealt with it. Yeah. Now you said something interesting earlier that I want you to kind of explain. I've heard you talk about a little bit before. You said you yeah. made an unholy vow. Um, yeah. For those listening, explain what you mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know that I could do a thorough teaching on it, but sure. I could tell you from my own experience, you know, um, your scriptures say, um, as you judge, you'll be judged. Mm -hmm. You know, so when you make a holy vow, obviously marriage is a holy vow uh priesthood a holy vow examples of holy vows you know you make that from a from a, a heart a posture of humility you make that from a posture of of surrender you know and and love and and it's holy and so the fruit of that is is holy it's good fruit well an unholy vow um is typically made out of some sort of judgment and and so in my case uh, it was a judgment towards my father I judged him for his sin. I judged him for his behavior. And he was that, you know, he, he didn't just have an affair and just leave my family. He was that. 
Uh, he was, I had a name for him. It started with A, <laughs> ended with O, and, uh, and, and that's yeah. who he was, you know, in my, in my distorted lens. And I judged him and I hated him. And out of that judgment is when I made that vow. I will never be like my father. In other words, out of my own pride, I'm going to make myself a better man than he is. And I'm not going to be like that man. And, and because it's a judgment, you know, it comes back, which it certainly did later in my life. Um, but if it's different than being able to look at this and going, you know, I don't, I don't want to repeat that behavior. You know, sure. I don't want to do what my father did. You know, I can have compassion on him. I can have grace for him, but I don't want to repeat that. You know, that would be a pure and holy sure. uh, desire, but it was out of a judgment. So hopefully that, that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I just I know that I've heard that mentioned before, and I wanted folks to understand that. So yeah. thank you for that. Um, I know in my own story, when I kind of walked away from the faith, and when things went off the rail for me, I lost my mother, um, you know, uh, to cancer, and, and I was not in a place. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. I was not in a good place with the Lord. I was in the middle of a drug addiction, all those things. So you can imagine how it caused me to spiral. But all of that kind of started oh, yeah. in college for me. You know, I was Baptist till I was eighteen, and then went to school. In, in town, you know, but most of the yeah. people at my church had kind of gone off somewhere else. So I was alone and I looked for community yeah. and people to be with in college and uh, unfortunately found a fraternity and the drinking and the drugs and all of that. Yeah, I know you went to college and I know you played football yeah. and, and uh, went to a very prestigious college, you know, for football. Yeah. Um, at least it used to be. I know they're they're getting back on the horse these <laughs> days. But yeah. Yeah, you guys actually have our old coach from Memphis, uh, Mike Norvell, went oh, down yeah. there. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, what what was that like for you in college? So you got this anger, you're trying to deal with it in a way, yeah. um, and then you kind of hit into those college years that could be so uh, precipitous yeah. or you know dangerous for us as we go into yeah. them if we're not prepared for them. So what was that like for you? Yeah, good question. So um, you had asked earlier about you know my faith life and the journey there, and was I always you know in the church? And so I went to a Catholic high school, but really was just going through the motions and I, I yeah. my heart wasn't there. And, um, so by the time I got to college and that's a long story of my college journey, I ended up at Florida state, but I had a couple of detours along the way. Okay. But, um, when I got to college, you know, I totally walked away from the church, walked away from the Lord and <clears throat> really just, just served myself is the best way I can describe that became a God unto myself. Yeah. I, I, I met some of your same friends, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was, uh, you know, just a lot of partying, um, uh, in and out of relationships. Uh, yeah. you know, I didn't go heavy the drug route because my oldest brother was a drug addict and I learned that, you know, that's not a good route to go, but <clears throat> sure. you know, same thing. Uh, just totally lost is totally, I mean, partying, going out, excuse me, <clears throat> going out three, four nights a week, you know, drinking with my buddies. That was our fellowship. You know, it was yeah. just totally partying uh, one relationship to the other. Uh, just totally lost. Yeah. So you're playing football. Um, and yeah. I imagine you finished your school there and you said you had dreams. What were your dreams? I mean, what was your dream at that time in your life? What did you want yeah. to do? And where were you sort of channeling <clears throat> all that, that anger and that just uncertainty? Where were you putting it all? Yeah. So from the time I was eight or nine, you know, I dreamed of being a professional athlete. You know, I grew up playing three sports, baseball, basketball, football, and football became the sport uh, that was kind of becoming my ticket, if you will. 
uh, and my dream then became to play in the NFL. And so that was, that was what motivated me. That's what drove me. That's all the work I put through all year, every summer, you know, it was just a constant, uh, that was constant. It was in front of me. You know, I would have some family members say, Bart, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I'm like, man, I only got one egg. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> that's, that's all I got, man. It's like, yeah. this is it. You know, I wasn't good at school. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't yeah. good at a lot of things. And, and so football was it for me. I mean, it, I ate, drank, slept football. It was yeah. constant. And so, yeah, I dreamed of that. And, and, you know, at Florida state, it was a really good time to be at Florida state. Uh, uh, people may know the Florida state Seminoles, Bobby Bowden was my yeah. coach and uh, who recently passed away a year ago. Yeah. Um, but within the year and, um, so playing at Florida State, I was there at a wonderful time. In 1986 was my junior year. We were an average team, seven, four, and one. Uh, but my senior year is just everything galvanized for this team, and uh, we became uh, number two team in the nation. We were 11 and one. That began a 14-year run, you know, where Florida State was in the top four, top five in the country every year, and it was it was a great time. So it was easy to uh, to kind of pat myself on the back, you know, here I am, you know, I finally arrived. Now I'm a man. Look, I've made something of myself, yeah. you know, all that stuff that was, was going on. But uh, there was a lot going on underneath the hood, if you will, and that I wasn't dealing with. And um, that, that, that all came up to, it caught up to me. Yeah. What, what position did you play by the way? Cause I know guys are going to be wondering that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I tell people, that I never played the same position more than three years in a row in my 19 years of playing football. Um, but my, my natural positions were tight end or defensive okay. end. And yeah. uh, at Florida State, I transferred into Florida State, and we had an All-American tight end. I didn't want to be second string. And so I moved to defensive end. And so while I was at Florida State, that's what I played. I played defensive end, defensive tackle. And then I went to Tampa Bay, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who now win, didn't then. And uh, they uh, – <laughs> While I was there, I went back to my natural position as a tight end, uh, okay. and that's another story. Uh, yeah, sure. So you're you're coming out of college now. You know, you, you've been on this team, and you're really starting to feel like you said very successful, and as if you've made yeah. it. And I know that feeling too, uh, in my own yeah. way, and success in my job, and the pride that comes with that. And oh, yeah. uh, generally, there's a fall or something that's not far behind that sense of pride. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, God doesn't allow that very long. So, yeah. um, where did you go from there? So, you're coming out of Florida State. You're kind of high on yeah. the hog. You're you're walking into your dream yeah. in the NFL, which I can't even imagine because uh, yeah. I grew up wanting. To, I'm six eight. I wanted to play in the NBA and. Oh, nice. uh, did, yeah, it didn't work out for me, but uh, I, I can't imagine what that would be like to to, to yeah. know that you made it uh, in a professional sport like that. So yeah. as you come out of college, where where are you? What's in your head? What are you thinking? And, and what's the next step in this journey? Yeah, well, it, it was it was starting to catch up to me way before then. Um, and so by the time I got uh, to Tampa Bay, that was kind of where it all came to a head. head. But there was there was a lot that went into me coming off my high horse, if you will. Sure. Um, and that happened numerous times, you know, from when I was in high school, not having a 2.0, uh, that knocked me off my high horse big time. Um, sure. And I mean, I'd have college coaches calling me, you know, and they'd say, hey, we want you to play here. You know, we want you. Howard Schnellenberger, University of Miami, who yeah. uh, I've never told this story publicly, but here you go. Um, he uh, he. Um, called me up you know he was the miami coach they had just won the national championship the year before and he says 
Bart, we would we would love for you to be a Miami Hurricane, you know. And I grew up in Miami, and at this point, I'm in Jacksonville. And I said, "Well, coach, you know, I grew up in Miami. I don't have any interest." You know, that's just how arrogant I was, you know. And it was just oh, and stupid, you know. Just like yeah. he says, "Do you know who you're talking to, son?" I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "You know, just that was just kind of where I was." And so, not having a 2.0, it just knocked me off, you know, that high horse. And mm-hmm. so, you'd think I would get it by then. And then I went to a prep school and to replace my grade point average and had a 3.0. And I'm finally back on the track. NCAA changes the rule. You can no longer go to a prep school. Boom, I'm out in the cold again. That knocked me off another horse. And then I went to a smaller school, Georgia Southern, that wasn't yet NCAA. Played there for two years. Played as a tight end. Got hurt. All three tight ends got hurt. They took it out of the offense. I went to defensive end. But all along, wanted to go to Florida State, which is where I where it was my goal since high school. So by the time I get to Florida State, you know, I then had to walk on. Again, not mm. something I always tell publicly just for sake of time. And so that knocked me off another high horse. <laughs> so sure. I had a lot of horses to fall off of. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I was I was uh, getting the worst treatment and just, you know, you can imagine what that's yeah. like and just a nobody. And but it created a hunger. And so out of that hunger, I, was, I wasn't going to give up on my dream. And so then ended up, you know, getting a scholarship starting. And now by the time it's my senior year, you know, I'm, I'm well on my way to my dream. And what happened is I got hurt my second game and I missed four games. And in that span of four games, everything caught up to me. You know, on the outside, everything looked good. People were like, man, you got it made. And yet I knew in here, but I was running from all of it. You know, I had so much pain, shame, anger, self-hatred. I would entertain ways to take my own life, but I would put on this outer facade, you know, everything's great. You have it all together, you know, but inwardly not. And so in that time when I wasn't playing my senior year, um, it all caught up to me and it caught up to me by a a girl confronting me and and explaining to me uh, that she and her whole sorority hate me. And I realized that I turned out just like my father. And so that vow that I made when I was a little kid now came back and haunted me. I'll never be like my father. And here I realized I'm not only like my father, I'm even worse. And uh, it just, it sobered me big time. And I'm like, I hated my dad. I hated me. And so my will to live went down to about 3% maybe on a good day. And uh, I just hated myself, completely hated myself, full of self-hatred and shame. And so I rebounded from that and then had a tryout with the Tampa Bay. So by the time I got to Tampa Bay, you know, all those things had already happened. And sure. um, so it was while I was there, I just got moved up in the depth chart, playing my more natural position, like I said earlier, as a tight end. They liked me and I was hearing really good things, you know, uh, and, and they were they, they were high on me, and I, and I was like, finally, man, I, I got a chance to show what I can do. And um, I'm in between practices, and this is where my life changed. I don't know if you want me to get into that right now. Yeah, what. yeah, sure, yeah. Please. Yeah, so it was at this point, um, so like I said, in between practices, and I'm in the locker room of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'm sitting on the toilet, and God sense you and I tell this story probably 30 times a year. <laughs> and I got to yeah, say how feeling. I was on the toilet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know the right. feeling. Yeah, so, I was in a jail. Uh, you were in the toilet. There was a toilet yeah, in my jail yeah. cell, so same, I can relate. Same, <laughs> yeah, same kind of idea. And, uh, and so, you know, this is where my life started to change. And yeah. um, so here I am on the toilet in Tim Bay's Buccaneers locker room, 
just kind of patting myself on the back, like, man, you know, look what you overcome, man. Here you are. You got a chance. You got a good shot to your dream. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm just like, who am I kidding? I'm miserable. I'm absolutely miserable. It's like, man, it, it, this is what I thought would make me happy. I've been living for this since I was eight. You know, maybe when I get there, I'll finally be somebody. I'll be happy if I'm famous, if I'm rich, if I got, sure. you know, the beautiful supermodel in the mansion. And, you know, it's like mm-hmm. all this crazy dream, you know, and I'm like, even if I had all that, what's it going to change, man? Here I am at the doorstep of this dream and I'm miserable. And, and I just, at that point, remembered my Catholic faith. At that point, I remembered my Catholic schools. I remembered being at mass. I remember seeing Jesus up on the cross, you know? And so right there on the toilet, I cried out to God and I said, God, look, I just need to know if you're real. I just need to know if you're real. I mean, I've done it all. I just need to know if you're real. You know, I mean, I know Jesus died for me. I know, I get it. I know he died for me 2000 years ago. But what good does that do me right now? You know, I need to know tangibly right this moment if you're real. And uh, and that was it. I just left that alone, went out to practice. And uh, a week later, got the phone call, got called in by the coach. And he says, listen, you know, we love you, man. You're great. We give you A-plus speed, A-plus strength, A-plus athletic ability, A-plus skills, A-plus across the board strength said, but man, you just have so much to learn because you play defensive end, defensive tackle in college, and we're just not in a position to develop you, and we're going to let you go. We're going to release you. Mm. Well, my agent calls me and says the Pittsburgh Steelers, which was my dream team growing up, uh, that they were interested. And uh, I said, I'm not interested. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, man, I, I don't know that I have a good shot, but something's going on in me that I, don't, I can't explain. He's like, man, you're crazy. I said, man, I, I can't. I don't know what to tell you. And so at that point, I gave it up and I went back to Tallahassee and Bob and I played golf and there's a whole lot of story there too. I'll I'll give a pause so you can breathe. (laughs) No, no, that's fine. I'm loving listening. Really. I mean, you're, you're doing a great job sharing it and that was where I was going to go next. So, you know, whenever we have these experiences and the Lord blesses us, which is what he did in that moment for you. I mean, there may be a lot of guys going, dude, you walked away from an NFL shot, but as you know, it's turned out pretty well for you, you know, and, and what you're doing in your life now but there's always that moment where you're searching, right? In that moment, you're yeah. going, okay, what, what, what's next? And Lord, like, what are you calling me to? And, and man, it's that process of discernment can be hard, you know, because we, yeah. as men, we want, like, I want to, I don't want to see one foot in front of me. I don't want to see the flashlight. I want to see the, the spotlight and the whole trail and all of and that. And I want right? to control it. <laughs> right. Yes. I don't want to, I yeah. want to drive, move out of the way, Lord, sit, yeah. you, know, you be the navigator and I'll drive. Yeah. So <laughs> that's exactly right. And so where did you go then? Like, I know you said you, you started yeah. to play golf with your brother. Yeah. I, I'm sure he was inter- instrumental in this process for you. Talk about that yeah. a little bit and how you started to kind of make your way to where you are today. Yeah. Yeah. So a little background on that. So Bob, as I said, was, uh, eight, is eight years older than me. And uh, Bob was always the good guy in our family. You know, he was always, I jokingly say, Bob was Catholic before he was born, you know? (laughs) And (laughs) so, you know, Bob, Bob would always be the one to tell me, you know, Bart, you need to come back to the faith. You know, Bart, here's a book, here's a CD, here's a, you know, whatever. And I'd be like, yeah, Bob, that's great. You know, that's, that's good for you. That's your thing. And, you know, it's not my thing. And so here, when I come back, of course I call Bob. And so, we go and play golf, which, you know, we don't play a lot of golf. And, and so 
we are those type of golfers that find a lot of golf balls, <laughs> which means you're hitting Amen. it in the woods. And, That's you know, right. And so, Leave uh, with a lot of poison ivy. I got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, right. you know, trying to hit through trees, you know. Yeah. And, uh, so, so here we were, man. Gave us a lot of time to talk as we're looking for our balls through the woods. And yeah. um, Bob was telling me about this men's weekend he went to. Uh, Chirp, Christ News is Parish. And uh, it's kind of like Crucio, a lot of those type of men's events. And um, as he's as he's talking about it, I'm listening, and uh, which I'm sure he's surprised that I'm paying attention and listening. And he doesn't know the prayer that I just prayed, you know, and on the toilet yeah. in Tampa Bay. And um, so he's telling me, and as he's telling me, uh, I'm intrigued. And he's telling me about some of the guys' lives, and and again, a couple of them kind of stories like yours, you know, guys who had, had been in prison, or guys who had been addicted to drugs, or guys that uh, destroyed their marriages, or guys that were high-end lawyers or doctors, and you know, realizing. So I'm, I'm listening, and uh, he's in each one of their stories, uh, they came to the end of themselves. In each one of their stories, they had an encounter with Christ, and so I'm listening. And so after a while of him telling me this, he then says, you know, but we've got another one of these weekends coming up. Um, would you like to go? And well, I remembered my prayer and on the toilet at Tampa Bay. You know, God, if you're real, show yourself real to me. And I'm thinking to myself, mm -hmm. this is my shot. I, I got to give it a shot. So I said, yeah, Bob, I'll go. And he's like, really? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, Bob probably moved heaven and earth to get me on that weekend. I, but I, here I was, and it was just a little bit later, a few weeks later, and uh, while I'm on this weekend with Bob, I'm listening to the men, 10 men give their witness, share their testimony. And, and, uh, you know, they say not to tell people's stories. And these guys are, are friends of mine. They gave me permission, but I won't tell you who they are or their stories. Sure. Um, but one of them, uh, was a politician and, uh, he was, uh, doing really well. And he told all the men there, the 50 men there, um, that he had been unfaithful to his wife. And uh, because of the unfaithfulness, uh, he destroyed his marriage and broke the heart of his children and his families just fell apart. But in that, he encountered Christ and God was bringing all this healing and, and restoration and things in his family. Well, as he's talking, I'm picturing my dad, you know, uh, and I'm picturing my dad standing up in front of me and saying, forgive me, you know, sorry for what I've done to destroy your life. And so wow. it deeply touched me. And then uh, there's another man who shared how he had wanted to be businessman of the year for a certain organization and how for 10 years he sacrificed his marriage and for 10 years he was striving to become this businessman of the year. And so he finally gets invited to New York and among the however many men that are there, they call out the winner and they call his name and everyone's applauding and he's, you know, proud as a peacock, right? Walking up sure. there and finally, you know, he got his accomplishment. And uh, they hand him a plaque. He gives a little speech. He goes to walk off the stage, and the people are clapping for him. And as he goes to walk off the stage, he hears a voice in his head said, look down on your hand. So, so he, he said, as I looked out of my hand, I saw a piece of wood. And he said, for this stinking piece of wood, I sacrificed my marriage and my family. Hmm. And he said, I just started to cry. And he said, I started to sob, realizing the emptiness of my life and my pursuits. And he said everywhere he went for the next month, man, he would just cry. He'd be at a convenience store. He'd just start sobbing. And then he explained how he encountered the Father's love and how Christ changed his life. I'm like, wow, that, that's like me, man. I've been chasing this piece of wood. 
you know, living for someday I'll someday when I get to the NFL, when I become somebody, I'll finally be happy. I'll finally be fulfilled. I'll finally be somebody. And uh, man, I got there or close to it and it wasn't enough, man. I, I, that's speaking to me. I, I feel like I've been chasing this piece of wood. And so I was primed and ready for the next day. And uh, we're sitting around tables, you know, 50 men. And uh, we're you know, jokingly say we're doing all these cheesy skits that I don't really care for, you know. And um, so <laughs> been to some of these mean. men's events. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, let, let's change that part of it, maybe. Um, yeah. Anyway, it worked. And so, but <laughs> during this time, um, you know, I also, I also jokingly say, you know, if Bob would have told me ahead of time when we were playing golf, hey, Bart, you're going to be on this weekend with 50 men who were going to say, I love you and hug one another. <laughs> There's no way I would have gone. Sure. It's like, no thanks. But sure enough, man, that's yeah. where I was, you know, coming straight out of football. And here I am with these 50 men, you know, saying, <laughs> I love you and hugging me. I'm like, hey, I'm stiff as a board, you know? Yeah, that's right. And so <laughs> anyway, so here I am doing these cheesy skits uh, with these 50 men who were saying I love you. And now they, they give you these letters uh, from family members. And so I'm reading these letters and all the men are sitting around their tables reading the letters. It's an emotional time. You know, we men, sure. we don't cry, right? We're, we're, yeah. we're tough, right, John? Yeah, that's and so, right. <laughs> yeah. And so... You know, we're all there kind of reading it. But after a while, you know, we're, we're getting touched, right? We're, we're hearing about how people love us and what they really think about us in, in a positive way. And so I'm reading some of these letters. But the letter that really impacted me was from my brother, Bob, who was on the weekend with me. And Bob in his letter says to me, Bart, I just want to let you know I love you. And I'm proud of you. Hmm. And I'm reading this thing and I'm like, what is he talking about? I don't love me. I don't love me. Proud of me? For what, man? I, I just failed at the only yeah. thing that I was good at. You know, uh, you love me, man? I'm full of shame. I hate me. What do you mean you love me? Man, you know, what do you mean you're proud of me? You know, I was so used to conditional love. I was so used to performing. Like, yeah. What do you mean you love me? You're proud of me. But I thought, you know, I, I should thank him. You know, I grew up Catholic. I know what guilt is. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's the right thing to do, right? That's I right. Thank him. And so I stand up and uh, he sees me and I'm on one side of the room. He's in the other side of the room. And uh, we happen to meet in the middle of the room. And I'm kind of sticking my arm out there as far as I can. You know, it's sure. like, you know, Bob, you know, thanks for the letter. You know, I really appreciate that. And uh, the guy who reminded me of my dad, the politician, he talked about how he'd been unfaithful to his wife, was standing behind us. And so here he pushes Bob and I together. And as he pushed my brother and I together, it just, my, my heart just fell apart, man. I mean, I, it just like, hmm. I don't know how to describe it, except um, I felt like a baby. I felt like a little kid. And I felt like, uh, I don't know, it's like, the walls that had been around my heart and surrounded my heart just, just crumbled. And here I am in my brother's arms, man, and I'm sobbing like a baby. Man. I, I don't even remember crying when my dad left. I don't remember crying. I mean, I was so full of anger, you know, and, yeah. and I was so hardened. And, uh, and yet here, man, this just, this just snuck up on me. And the walls of my heart, and I'm sobbing in Bob's arms. And Bob's crying, and, and I feel this presence, feel the room. Um, I now understand it's the Holy Spirit, and it was just this beautiful feeling of love and just peace. Yeah. And 
I noticed the men in the room were crying, you know, it's like all that that was stirred up in our hearts as we're reading these letters, like this presence that came into the room and probably my vulnerability and Bob's vulnerability just kind of broke up in everyone's hearts and man, all the men are crying and, and here I'm again crying in Bob's arms and just, just slobbering all over him. You know? <laughs> and Bob, Bob whispers into my ear and he says, uh, Bart, um, it's my birthday. I had always forgotten my family's birthdays, man. It's just like yeah. one of those guilt things that just would haunt me. So here I am on this weekend, and I'm like, what is he doing ruining my weekend with this guilt, man? It's like, <laughs> he's just, Bart, it's my birthday. I'm like, oh, oh, crap, man, I forgot your birthday. And he says, yeah. no, no, Bart, it's not my real birthday. It's my spiritual birthday. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So here <laughs> sure. we hug, and we're laughing, and we're crying in one another's arms, man. And just this powerful moment and in the midst of this. I, I hear this voice. You know, I always thought, God, like when I was a little kid, I used to lay in my bed and I'd say, God, if you're real, speak to me, you know, and nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, you're not real. But, you know, but here it was a still small voice, but I knew it was him. I knew it was him. And he spoke to me in this moment of feeling his presence, crying in my brother's arms. The father himself spoke to me and he said, Bart, I'm your father. I'm a mm -hmm. father to the fatherless and I love you. And, uh, I just fell apart, man. I just, I just fell apart. It's like I knew in a moment that what I'd been looking for my whole life was just the father's love, just the father's love. I just wanted the father's love. And my dad, he bailed out. I didn't have it. I didn't know it. I didn't know what I was missing. But in this moment, his love himself just encountered me. God, who I thought was so far away and distant, was so intimate and so personal. And, and his love was just so tangible. And it's just, I just fell apart, man. I mean, this happened maybe 33 years ago. And I, maybe you could say, I mean, this still touches me to this oh, day. Oh, sure, yeah. You know, it's like, it, it just radically, like in your life, it just, he just radically changed my life. And it was in a moment, in a moment. And I remember going to confession after this, and it was a long confession. And uh, afterwards, I told the priest, you know, just a little while ago, I was on the toilet in Tampa Buccaneers locker room. And I cried out and I said, God, if you're real, show yourself real. And I said, today he did. I said, I want to give my life to him. And here this priest led me in a prayer and I surrendered my life to Christ and, and uh, been running after him ever since, you know, and uh, I wish I could say it's all been perfected and great, you know, and I, he still has some work to do in me. We're still doing some sanctification. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, uh, and I jokingly yeah, no say he just button. got done with me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's no easy you know, button to be flipped. No, there's there's no easy button, man. We got to walk it. We got to walk it out, right? Sometimes I yeah. jokingly say, "Yeah, you know, he just got he just got done sanctifying me just yesterday, so I can do this." You know? That's, like, that's yeah, right. Like, Can't you, you know. recognize perfection? Like, I mean, <laughs> that's, right. <laughs> that's right. Don't you know it when you see it? That's you right. Know. I figured the rays that were yeah. coming off of me would have blinded you, but exactly, <laughs> exactly. But you know, you no. know, we joke about that, John. But you know, we know yeah. as men, man, how hard that is, right? I mean, we, yeah. we have to have it all together, right? I heard sure. someone say, you know. Um, you know, that all men struggle with, with deep inadequacy, you know, yeah. do I have what it takes, you know? And I think the reality is, is deep down, none of us believe we do. Right. And, uh, and that's why we're doing the things we're doing. Why else do we do all the stupid things we're doing? Uh, it's like yep. we're constantly trying to prove to ourselves that we're, that we're somebody, you know, and yet here Jesus come and he, he he's the worthy one, right? We're not worthy. Yeah. He's worthy. Amen. And through what he did, through his death, conquering sin, evil and death, he rose from the grave and brought us into relationship and intimacy with him, you mm -hmm. know, and, and brought us to the father and intimacy with the father. And only in the father, are we going to find any worth only in the father. Are we can have any adequacy 
And uh, man, I don't know about you, but I, I've been through all kinds of things and, and he's constantly reminding me how desperately I need him. And any moment I live apart from that is just not a good moment. <laughs> Amen. Well, you know, that's, I always look at how, you know, Christ says, I came so that you may have my joy and your joy may be complete, right? And, Amen. And what does that mean? What does that mean in our lives? And, and bar, like, as, as two guys, and, and again, in all humility, that have been brought to our knees and then, but given this, yeah. the second chance in life to, to really give ourselves over to him. That, that's where the joy is in life. Like it's Amen. not, I remember thinking, you know what? And with my father, my father was, was there. He was good. He took care of us. I love my father, but my father had an extreme work ethic. You know, he was one of six kids raised on a farm yeah. and, you know, for him being a man meant like, put your head down, never complain. Don't admit you need yeah. anybody. You got a problem, figure it out. If you don't, you're not a man. He worked all the time. He was good about leaving and then coming to our ball games, but then going right back to work. And there were wow. so many times in my life where I wanted to hear, I'm proud of you. I love you. Right. That you are enough. I can remember yeah. one one basketball game I was playing. Uh, he'd asked me to get a haircut. Back then I had some, you know, actual hair. And uh, <laughs> yeah. it was, just, I think, my ninth grade year or something. I was playing at Episcopal School in my neighborhood. And and I just had one of the best games I ever played. You know, I had 36 points or something like that. I just had a real nice. good game. But I missed a free throw. And my dad would always, no matter the game, no matter what happened, he always asked me to ride home with him. You know, he'd say, come get in the truck with me. Even if he was going back to work. And my mom had a car with my sisters. You're riding with your dad. And uh, and I always was waiting for the day when I'd get in that truck and hear like, man, I'm so proud of you and I love you. Yeah. Well, that game... I, you know, in his eyes, I, I hit the first free throw. The second one, I moved my hair out of my eyes, which he had told me to get my hair cut a couple days before. I missed that free throw. Only thing I messed up all game long. And so I go and I get in the truck and I'm expecting this is the day, right? This is the day when my father's going to tell yeah. me that I'm worthy of him because he was an amazing basketball player, had a chance to play in the NBA, played at all, you know, played at Ole Miss. Um, wow. And then he got drafted in the Army and couldn't, you know, right before he got drafted in the NBA. So, all of this is – I know he's got this this longing for me to be good in this way at a sport that he loved. Yeah. But I get in the truck, and I'm like, all right, here it comes. And he goes, you know, if you'd gotten your hair cut like I, like I told you to, you wouldn't have missed that free throw. You know, and I love my dad, but, but Bart, like, you're yeah. so right. Like, we're looking for that affirmation. We're looking for that yeah. love. And, and my father, I don't think he told me that he loved me and he was proud of me until I was into my 20s, you yeah. know. And, and – yeah. There's so many men out there that are looking for that. And unfortunately, what happens a lot is we, when we don't receive that adequately from the people that are, are our earthly fathers, a lot of times we can project yeah. that onto the heavenly father. Oh, yeah. And that's not who it is. That's not who he is. As you've yeah. said so well here, it's he wants yeah. to shower his love upon us. Talk to us a little bit about what this means, like what the father's love is. Yeah. You know, what it, what has it felt like in your life and what has it done for your life when you've come to understand yeah your identity through understanding his identity. Yeah. 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 What you share there, John, is so powerful and, and so real, man. I mean, I know that's speaking to a lot of men, you know, it's like, what are we really wanting? We're wanting our father's affirmation. We're wanting his love, right? We're wanting them to say, like John Eldridge said, you know, I'm so glad you're born, man. You're going to, you're going to do great things. You're going to mount to greatness, you know, if, just to be able to hear, Man, you had a great game right there. Thirty-six points, man. Go, boy. You know, and just yeah. just say, "At a boy," you know, right? That's all you really wanted yeah. to hear. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to hear how you messed up the one thing, right? But yeah. you know, that's that's our dads give what they have, right? That's sure. what they got, right? And so we just yeah. constantly passing on what we have 
Um, and, and, and yet, and then you're right. You said it, we projected onto God, the father, you know, uh, I was constantly projecting onto God, the father, you're not there for me. You know, you're not there for me, you know? And it's like, uh, why was I saying that? Well, because my natural father was never there for me. I had that reality in my own heart that, that I'm alone and no one's there for me, you know? And I, I projected that onto God, the father. So when he showed up like that, it was profound, you know, but in answering your question, I, you know, I think of. I think of Jesus at his baptism. Mm-hmm. You know, here he is baptized, right? And three major things happen. It says the heavens open. You know, that in itself is pretty darn cool. <laughs> and yeah. then it says the father then spoke. You know, this is my beloved. And some translations say in whom I'm well pleased. Other translations of scripture say in whom I delight. And mm-hmm. I'll get back to that in a minute. And then we see the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And, and then his ministry begins, right? And we can go on to that. That's a whole nother preaching. But sure, that's key significant thing that happened there. The father, his father, who he came to reveal the father, everything he did was to reveal the father and to do the will of his father. He was in such intimacy with his father. And that's what he introduced each of us to, is to the father, right. is to relationship with the father. And here's the father speaking to him at his baptism. Talk about a well done, you know, right? Yeah. Here's his father speaking to him saying, this is my, this is my boy. This yeah. is my boy. This is my beloved son. This is him right here. And don't we all want to hear that, right? Yeah. In whom I delight. I delight. I like delight much better than well pleased because Me like too. you as an athlete, when I hear well pleased, I hit, I hear, I hit that free throw, you know? Yeah. But when I hear delight and I hear something completely different, you know, I, I think of I think of myself as a dad with my four kids. I think of my firstborn, you know, when she was first born and here she comes out of her mother's womb. And, you know, everyone says babies are so cute and to a parent's eyes, they are. But if you look at it naturally, I mean, they're, they're nasty. They come out. Like, <laughs> it's a mess, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, can you bring her to you know? me after you've cleaned her up a little yeah, bit? Yeah, <laughs> clean her up, please, right? right? You know, but but I don't know about you, man, but as soon as I see her come out, I'm crying like a baby. Yeah, I'm like, me oh, too. My goodness, the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Was it yeah. because of what she did? Was it because of how she looked in the moment? No, it's because I just delighted in her, yeah. you know? And then my wife and I, we brought her home with no instructions, and and then she kept pooping, <laughs> right? And I was like, That's right. man, you know, you what, what are you thing. doing? You keep, <laughs> you keep right. pooping. You know, and then, you know, after a while, she got a little older, you know, and the poop would shoot up the back. I don't know about yours, but we experienced yes. those, you know, and it was <laughs> yeah. nasty, right? Yeah. And, and, and never once did I say, oh, man, this is broken. It's not working. You know, she's not, she's not doing well enough. I'm going to bring her back. No, yeah. right? You don't do that. Is it that? I delighted in her. I just loved her with her poopy diaper and everything. I would hold her and just kiss her all over her head. You know, I just, my yeah. favorite memories are her laying on my chest, you know, and just as they would listen to my heartbeat, right? And it's just, yeah. and all four of my kids, I felt the same way, still do. Yeah. And and I just delight in them. And so when I picture the father delighting us, that's what I see, man. I see, you know, he looks at our mess, John, he looks at your mess, he looks at my mess, he looks at all the mess of, of everyone that's out there. And he goes, man, that's my boy. That's my boy. No, that's my boy. Yeah. I love him. I delight in him, man. I delight in him. You know, and, and, and it's that simple. You know, we think Jesus, you know, he doesn't like messes. But, man, where where was he born? <laughs> he was born in a manger. You know, that's where animals poop. He was born in the midst of mess, man. He, 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 he delights in you and I. 
and that's that's what that's where I find my peace. That's where I find my rest, man. And even if I mess up today, you know, even if I do something that was stupid to do, you know, and I might hurt my wife or I might hurt my kid, you know, it, it doesn't take me long to get past the shame to go to the father and say, Father, remind me of who I am and, and show me who you are. And I'll often go back to my wife or my kids and I'll say, please forgive me for misrepresenting the father. That's my brokenness. It has nothing to do with God the father. He delights in you. He loves you. Yeah. It, that's so important. I, I catch myself all the time when I, you know, if my kids, I've got Jacob's 12 and I have identical twin uh, girls, oh, Allison nice. and Caitlin, they're, they're nine. And sometimes, you know, life gets at you. You got a million things pulling at you. And sometimes your yeah. temper's not where you want it to be or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And, and I've gone, I've been so quick and this is such a gift that God, you know, has reminded me of this. Um, you know, cause some of the things that my father said to me growing up was like, I'll never say it to my kids. Right. Like I'll never, yeah. I don't ever want to hear those. And then you hear them come out because you just, oh, yeah. you know, you There's can't help vows. it. Yeah. You're like, Oh yeah, I'll never, you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. Unholy vows. And they come right back mm -hmm. in your face. And I just, I'm so quick yep. to say, look, you're not bad. Like the thing you did might've been bad or the thing that you, you did may not have been the best decision, but you are not bad. You were good. God made you good. Amen. There's nothing that can ever take that away. And, and I think that we have to remember that because oftentimes too, you know, when we think that the father has turned away from us, you know, part of spiritual maturity is, is a lot of times realizing like we're the ones that have turned away. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that exactly. God is always standing there. I, I love to talk about the prodigal son. And when, you know, when he returns, you know, I don't know that we always think about this, but when he finally says, you know, even my ser my father's servants live better than this, basically, and he gets up out of the pig slop and the, yeah. and the husk and all that stuff. And he comes home, it never says he stopped to take a shower, right? It never says right. that he was cleaned up. Good point. And, and yet here's this father... Right. This father that like runs down this road. He's, it's not like he's just happened to walk by and go, there's my son. No, he sees him coming a long way because he was standing there looking for him every day, yeah. watching for him. And then he rushes out to meet this nasty, you know, pig, whatever covered son mm. and throws the best mm. that he has on him. Right. Wow. He doesn't say, go get the hose, hit the showers, and then I'll give you yeah. a hug. No, he says, I love you. And I love you and all of this. And, and Bart, yeah, you make such a good point of that. And, and, Folks, if you can take anything away from this conversation today, yeah. it is how much God loves you. No yeah. matter who you've done, you are not the sum of your sins. You know, yeah. you're not, you aren't this because you've done that. You're right. a beloved son of the Father. And Jesus was baptized because he wanted to bring you back into that reconciliation, into that yeah. relationship with the family. Right? Jesus didn't have to be baptized. He was the son of yeah. God, but he did it so that you could see the path of the Father and how much he loves you. So Bart, like, I, I mean, I, this is such a pleasure to get to talk about this with you. I feel yeah. like we're cut from the same cloth and I, I just, I can't let you go without talking a little bit about where your relationship with your earthly father is now. You mentioned that at the beginning yeah. and I just, you know, I know that a lot of times people don't feel like there's opportunity to reconcile uh, with some of our hurts in our life, but can you share where you are with your father now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's a, there's a whole lot of story around that. We can take another couple hours to get into sure. all the details and I'll, I'll just give you a kind of a brief kind of summation of that. Um, so a lot of things, uh, we've been to men's events together. Uh, my brothers, my dad, um, our oldest brother, Dave, um, if people want to know more about that. And I, I'm not trying to promote Bob's book, but there's a good story sure. in there called, uh, in his be healed book. Um, that tells more details around a lot of this. But um, 
so we went on these men's events and um, it began a process but then our oldest brother dave had aids and uh in his dying process uh, our dad was showing up a good bit and we'd have times i remember in my brother wayne's house where my brother dave lived you know where uh, we would just weep in one another's arms, you know, and just this forgiveness and, and all this reconciliation and healing that was taking place uh, in the family. I'm making this very brief, but uh, sure. a lot, a lot happened. Um, and um, God was dealing with me about forgiving my father. So this was probably three, four years. Uh, yeah, maybe three, four, five years after that encounter I just shared. And um, within a year of when we first went on our first men's event, and God was dealing with me about forgiving my father. And I was like, I cannot forgive that man. There's no way I can forgive him. Because I felt like I was saying it was okay. Sure. And uh, I couldn't forgive him. And it took me a while. Uh, but I finally realized that um, my father's a broken man just like me, you know, and Jesus forgave me. Uh, and so I can forgive my father. There's a lot more behind it, but that's the short version of it. And I didn't realize it, but Bob was doing the same, was forgiving our dad around the same season of time. And it was not long after that that we went on this first men's event. And it wasn't, but it, uh, just right after that first men's event that we found out that our brother had AIDS. And so it prepared my heart and Bob's heart. And that began to work in the family um, of this healing. And as our dad just was very humble and very vulnerable and admitting his own addiction, uh, his alcohol addiction. Uh, our brother Dave had a drug addiction uh, and that's how he got AIDS. And uh, it made every one of us have to look deeper at our own lives. And in that process, uh, this healing and reconciliation was taking place. And just a lot of healing, a lot of redemption, a lot of story around that. But I'll fast forward into my dad's last year. So he passed away three or four years ago. Mm. Um, Sorry but, for your loss. You know, we, yeah, thank you. Uh, but really, in a lot of ways, it was a game because I never, I never had a relationship with him. But uh, over the last, uh, probably the last dozen years, maybe, of his life, uh, we had a relationship, and uh, he would even be at men's events when I'd speak and share, you know, about my hatred mm -hmm. for him and share my testimony. And men would come up to him and say, "Gosh, how are you doing with this?" And he would say, "Man, this is beautiful." Uh, what God's done with my mess, you know, and how he's redeemed and healed my fa our family. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm so proud of my boys, you know, just the things like that. They were just amazing. Yeah. But so his last year, um, he was losing his memory. And um, we had a lot of beautiful times, uh, him at my him at my house, hanging out in the back. Uh, I put two baseball gloves out and, and wondered what would happen when my son got home, who's my youngest who at the time, maybe that's nine. And, um, Next thing I know, my dad, who can barely stand up, I'm watching my dad and my son playing catch, you oh, know, wow. which I do with my kids all the time. You know, I, I'm involved with them in their sports and their uh, their activities, but I never had that experience with my natural father. So I'm sitting there watching my my son and my father do something together that I never did with my father, that I do all the time with my son. And I'm just sitting there watching this. I filmed it on my phone and I'm I'm crying as I'm, looking at this and just marveling in God's healing and God's redemption. Mm. And then my dad's funeral, um, we were there and, and at the handshake of peace, right? Which I think a lot of times we just take for granted. It's like, yeah. it was really driven home for me what this is really all about. As you know, at his funeral, I watched my mom go up to his second wife and give her a, a hug and a kiss. I watched her go up to his third wife, the widow, 
and give her a hug and a kiss and each of us giving them a hug and a kiss and each of us giving our half brother half brothers and half sister hug and a kiss now there had already been a lot of healing before this time but it was just the culmination here it was in my dad's welcome home ceremony mm-hmm. you know at his funeral that all this healing and reconciliation was on display at the handshake of peace giving one another a hug and a oh, kiss wow. just god's redemption you know god john god's in the redemption business man <laughs> he <laughs> takes our mess and he makes it a message right look at us right yeah he takes our mess and turns it into a message and he wants to do that for every guy listening yeah amen guys you have heard some powerful stuff today um you know, I hope that you've you've taken time to listen to this. I hope that you've stuck with us. If you if you if you would go back and listen to it again, because there's if you don't get this right, if you don't get the fact that God loves you, that God forgives you, that your Amen. mistakes and failures are nothing to Him, that that He He has a plan for your life. I mean, a 17 year addict, a guy that thought he was going to be a professional football player, and now goes and speaks to people all over the world about the message of God's healing. God can do anything with your life. You're the only one who doesn't believe that sometimes. And so let the Father love you. Let the Father show you what you, He can be in your life. Um, and, you know, Bart, we're going to talk about that more. You know, we always do these extra interviews. So Bart has been kind uh, to, to stay a few minutes later and do a separate interview for those that are in the membership and in the community. If you guys want to uh, become part of that community, you can do it at justaguyinthepew.com and join the Narrow Road community, and then you'll have access to these extra interviews. But... Bob, I am just, I am so in awe of you and your brother and just what you've allowed the Lord to do in your life. You guys are such a gift to the church, the work you do at the JP2 Healing Center and then through your own apostolate, Church on Fire, uh, is just a gift, brother. And and to know that there's, to have another brother like you out there in the vineyard is just such a, uh, a, a blessing to me. And I just, I want to give you a couple minutes here just to, to tell people about where they can find out about what you're doing and share anything yeah. about that that you'd like to. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. You accidentally called me Bob, but I forgive you. I didn't mean to say Bob. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's okay, Jim. (laughs) 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 Um, Sorry about that. No, you're good. I'm just playing with you. Um, But yeah, I mean, first of all, I just want to encourage those who are listening, man, to to support what you're doing because what you're doing is, is incredible. Um, And, and it's, it's, it's great because Listen, my passion, like yours, is just to, to bring people into an encounter with the Father's love, man. So Amen. anyone who's doing that work, man, kudos. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I support what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, um, to get, you know, the JP Tooling Center, um, I'm one of the speakers there. My brother Bob's ministry, Dr. Bob Schutz, he's the founder, and myself, Sister Mary James Heidlin. Um, we, we speak at a lot of these events. There's others as well. Uh, people want to go there and look at some of those events. That's the JP2HealingCenter.org. That's uh, JP, JP, small I, small I, HealingCenter.org. Um, yeah, I have a ministry of my own. It's called Church on Fire, um, which is basically that. My passion is to see the church set on fire and uh, with the transforming energy of the Holy Spirit's actions. And mm-hmm. you can go on there. It's churchonfire.live. Uh, they didn't have .org, they didn't have .com, so .live. <laughs> so churchonfire.live, and uh, you can go on there, and, and uh, you can just browse around there and look at the different events and things that I do. But the uh, big thing is that I want to say to each person listening, man, don't hesitate. Jump into the lap of the Father. Lay your head on his chest, man. Listen to his heartbeat. He loves you. The Father loves you. Amen. Amen. 
Well, thank you so much, Bart. It's just been such a pleasure to be with you and and uh, just the friendship with you is a real blessing. So thank you for your time. For those of you, uh, we're going to come to an end here, but we are going to have another interview that will be available behind the community again. You can join that at justaguyinthebeview.com, and it supports everything we're doing here with starting men's groups around the country, putting out resources, all for the uh, for the purpose of helping bring men into who they are, the beloved sons of the Father, so they can be the husbands, fathers, sons uh, that they're called to be. So. Bart, thank you again for your time. Uh, it's such a blessing, and we'll talk to you real soon. Amen. Thank you. God bless. Right. Yep.